Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It really is the hottest ticket in town, isn't it? It's going to—it's going to be a great event. I didn't get to go over for the last one, which was massively disappointing for me. But um, sounds like this one's going to be just as crazy then. Yeah, that's why I mean. I think we're—you know—to uh, be fair, I think people are like, okay, you know, how are we going to do a the second time around in the year? You know, obviously Connor's not not fighting, and you know the pace has been even and faster than it was last year. So it just shows you the strength of you know MMA and the fan base here in Ireland. And you know, my personal—I've been here for four years and. My favorite event of all time is, is the Dublin event last year, so um, I'm, I'm excited to come back in October. Brilliant. Have you got any plans to try and try and make Connor a part of that event, whether it's as a guest fighter or or even just making an appearance in the Octagon on Fight Night? Yeah. So you know, I, I wasn't sure what his schedule was or where he was going to be, uh, but I saw an interview last night, and it, it sounded like he's actually going to do his camp in Dublin for his fight in December and, and basically be here up until four weeks before the fight and then go to Vegas to finish out. So, you know, the assumption is if he's home in Dublin, you know, I don't see how or why he wouldn't be part of event week. You know, his teammates are fighting on the card. You know, so my, my assumption, he's going to be there supporting his teammates and, and be available for media. But, I mean, he also has a ton of commitments and will be in camp, so I don't want to speak for him or anything like that, but that's the expectation. Even if he did, like, sort of an arena entrance, you know, just walk out into the arena, walk around the octagon, do an interview with Dan Hardy or Joe Rogan or whoever's doing yeah. the, doing that, and then off he goes again, that'd be perfect just to tee up the main card, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, I mean, I can tell you, if he's, if he's there, he's going to be doing media. You know, so, <laughs> um, but, I mean, who knows if he even, like, corners one of those guys. You know, I, I don't know how they work at, at their team, but, you know, this is the first time in a while, I think, that you know, a lot of his teammates are fighting and he's not fighting, you know, so my assumption is if he's in Ireland and these guys are there, that he's going to be heavily involved. Well, that's fantastic news. That's great to hear. In terms of uh, your involvement with the EMEA office, I know we spoke in in, uh, in Glasgow a few weeks back, and yeah. uh, you was quite early on in the process of talking about looking for someone to sort of take over the take over the EMEA team. Are you any further down the line? What's the status on that front? Yeah, we... We don't have anything to announce now, but in the next month, you know, we're going to be coming public and, you know, with, with the transition plan and, you know, who's going to be taking over and leading that office. We've decided to stay internal, but, you know, that's, that's all I'm going to announce for now, but that, that will be coming out in advance of, of the Dublin event. Fantastic. In terms of uh, the actual planning for shows, um, and I know you've got yeah. you've got to fit in with the overall sort of global plan for the 2016 calendar. Give us give us an idea of how that all works. I mean, you, you know, you have to sit down at some point and say, right, these are the event dates that we're looking at for 2016. How does how does the EMEA team as a as an entity yeah. sort of negotiate and get those dates for 2016? How does that work? To be honest, our global calendar process is one of the more complicated jigsaw puzzles uh, you could ever imagine. Um, so the way we started is basically deciding as a company, you know, what we think is the right amount of output or events across the world for next year. Um, and I think, you know, next year will be very similar to this year. It'll be 40, you know, somewhere between 39 or 42 events, something like that. Um, and then what we have to do is we then take our TV dates, our pay-per-view TV dates, and our Fox event TV dates uh, in the U.S. 
right? And we get those um, uh, from our broadcast partners, you know, and that's basically 35 out of the, the 40 or so events. Yeah. Um, so then we have we have those dates, and then what I do on the international side is that I work with the territory heads and say, hey guys, you know, what do we think is a reasonable number of events in your different territories? You know, so Europe will have five or six events, Asia will have two or three events, Canada will have three events, Brazil will have four events, uh, and so on down the line. And and, and that, those are the targets. And then the complicated piece is how you match up arena availability and location with the available dates we have. Right, and I think that's where you know, for the O2 in London, that's where we run into the most trouble because they're the busiest arena in the world, and you know we only have X amount of dates as well that potentially work for us. So trying to figure out and match that up is something that has to be done a year in advance. So you know we've been working on the London O2 date uh, next year, uh, the first quarter for for a year basically, right, to make sure that we got something locked up. Yeah. I think Europe, Europe, we have a little more flexibility because you know our fight nights in Europe. Uh, a fair number of them are streamed live in the U.S. on Fight Pass, uh, you know, and we control those dates ourselves, right? So we basically plug those in on available weekends when we don't have pay-per-view or, or Fox Sports 1 event. So there's a little more flexibility. But, yeah, it's a, it's a massive, complicated jigsaw puzzle, and we're in that process now. But I can tell you that we're looking at five to six events in Europe next year. Fantastic. Um, sure. Um, and in the London event, you know, that announcement as far as date, on sale, and everything – that will be coming out in the next month or so. And then hopefully by maybe the Dublin event, we can announce a few more dates. So maybe we'll hold off and announce some dates around our London event. And have you got any uh, any other specific cities that you've got targeted for 2016? I mean, obviously we've had yeah. we've had successful shows in, in, in Stockholm and Berlin, and I'm guessing they're places that you'll probably be keen to go back to. But are there, are there any other sort of new territories you're looking to, looking to go into in 2016 in Europe? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the way we're looking at Europe now and, you know, the, the, the region, the, the greater region of, you know, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, is, you know, we do have our flagships. And, you know, the, the cities that we always know are going to be successful, the Londons, the Stockholms, the Dublins, you know, so we'll always go back um, to a few of those and, and, and rotate around. But, you know, we're always actively looking to bring events to new markets because we find that's the best way to grow our fan base and get, and get massive media coverage when we actually come with a live event. You know, and we've done that this year first ever events in Poland and in Glasgow, which were both uh, super successful for us. And I think next year is the same thing. You know, there's a few, in my mind, you know, kind of big MMA markets or just big, you know, economies that we haven't been to. And, you know, I think number one, obviously, is France and going to Paris. And we have some, you know, regulatory hurdles there that we're working through. But that's, that has to be one. You know, I think the, Nether- the Netherlands has had a long history with kickboxing and martial arts. I think that would be an attractive market. You know, you have... Uh, you know, the Balkans in that area, whether it's Croatia or Serbia, those, those markets, you know, are starving for MMA. So, you know, Russia, Russia is another market that, you know, we know we have fighters and there's a massive fan base there. So these are all markets that are on the list. And we just have to see, you know, is there available arenas, you know, time of year, you know, fighter availability. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a very complicated puzzle, but I can tell you that our expectation is that we should be in two or three brand new markets for us as we continue to grow this brand across uh, Europe. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. And just yeah. just to touch on something that you you uh, you mentioned a little earlier on when you were talking about how you actually pieced the overall jigsaw puzzle together, and you talked about um, working with the TV companies and obviously the pay per view and Fox in America is is key. Um, 
looking at the TV side of things on, on, on this side of the pond, uh, obviously uh, the UFC are in partnership with BT Sport right now, and I think that deal expires in August next year. Um, but you've also got Sky have obviously been dipping their toe in the water through their pick tv channel and they've been picking up events that that bt effectively passed on because they weren't part of their original deal and for and, and for whatever reason they they didn't go for them or whatever um what's the landscape looking like as you look, begin to sort of make plans for 2016 tv coverage you know bt has been an amazing partner for us let's not lose sight of the fact that you know we were we were kind of bouncing around for a while and they committed you know they committed to ufc and growing the sport and this brand uh in the uk and, and they've done an amazing job for us, you know, and obviously our rights are coming up and, you know, you follow sports and you know how that works. And when rights come up, there's always multiple interested bidders and everyone, you know, wants the content. So, you know, we'll see which direction we decide to go. But, you know, things, our business on the TV side, our ratings, our viewership, all that stuff's only getting stronger. And I think a lot of that's been, you know, the great job that BT Sports done with us. So we'll see where that plays out. And, you know, those conversations are obviously going to happen in the future. But, uh, you know, I can tell you that we will, we will be on a pay platform uh, in in Europe, I mean, in, uh, in the UK for, for the long-term future. Great stuff. And on a, on a yeah. sort of a related topic, obviously the next event we have is, uh, is Dublin on October 24th. And yeah. To the best of my knowledge, that's a fight pass event in America. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Right. So, so do we know who's going to be showing UFC Fight Night Dublin on UK television yet? We don't. Um, that's another thing that should obviously be resolved in the next two weeks or so. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're focused on the on sale this week and getting through through that. Um, but the rest of it should be resolved. But I can tell you that you know we will be live somewhere. You know, so you know there's only going to be nine thousand fans. In, in the arena, and we know there's probably 40,000 fans that want a ticket in, yep. in, in Dublin, and probably in the, the UK as well. Um, so I can promise you that on one of our platforms, this fight will be live, and then, you know, whether it's more broadly distributed on free-to-air or, or anything of that nature, or, you know, versus live versus delay on other platforms, I don't have that detail for you yet, but uh, you can rest, be rest assured that it will be on TV, and, you know, that will probably be cleared up in the next two weeks. Brilliant. And uh, your main job is, is to sort of oversee the overall sort of global picture. Give us a sense of how, how much the uh, MIO region has actually grown in terms of the importance to the UFC and, and, and where it stands in terms of, sort of how it sits in the overall global picture, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So there hasn't been a market that has grown as quickly um, as Europe in the last two years. Right, so uh, I think the way to think about it is that this business, you know, especially in these territories, you know, it's somewhat cyclical, and a lot of it, you know, is driven by stars in, in relevance. Right, so if you were to look at, you know, Canada four years ago with GSP on top of the world, the Canadian business was on fire, and you know, selling out, you know, arenas left and right, um, and then you know, uh, a few years ago, you know, Brazil was, you know, the hot market with Anderson and Sagano and Aldo, you know, and I think. It's just this is Europe, Europe's time uh, to shine. You know, you have you have Connor and Joanna. You know, Alex is fighting for a title again. You know, there's there's a chance that by year end you could have three European champions, which would have been unheard of to think about 12 months ago, yeah. 18 months ago. Um, so Europe has grown not only just from a brand and a fan base perspective. You know, we just got research that showed that our Irish fans, you know, obviously have grown. Interest has grown. 41% year over year in the UFC and 70% of our fans have been fans of UFC for less than two years. So think about that. Think about the, the, the amount of growth there, right? And that's happening across Europe. Um, and from a revenue perspective, you know, our model at the end of the day is to build our brand and build awareness 
and then we monetize with our, you know, our television distribution deals. And what we're seeing now across the board is significant jumps in our renewals uh, on the revenue side. You know, so our growth, our TV rights growth in Europe has outstripped uh, any other market. And now Europe went from being, you know, a very minor contributor to now one of the, you know, largest contributors internationally. It's right up there. It's, you know. Brazil still a uh, kingpin as far as international revenue, but Europe's right up there now with Canada and some of our other stronger markets. Sure, and uh, obviously you mentioned Connor, and we all saw the reaction and the pulling power that the guys has as you know during that incredible weekend in Vegas at UFC 189, where his star just seemed to go right up into the stratosphere. I mean, he was a star before that show, but as yeah. a result of that show, he's, he's up there now. It's him and Ronda at the top of the sport, isn't it? And uh, he's fighting Jose for the unified title in December. Just how big is it going to be for the sport in this part of the world if Conor beats Jose and unifies that, that, that championship? Yeah, that's the, the thing with Conor, too, people lose sight of everyone, like, oh, Ireland and, and Dublin and how popular it is, but, you know, He's crossing. He's bleed, he bleeds over into the rest of Europe. He's completely lifted up the sport entirely. I'm sure you you feel it in in, in London in the UK as well. Yeah. He's completely changed the sport in Europe, and now even in America he's starting to cross over because you know I think his his pull is that he's such a polarizing character. You know whether you love him or hate him, you have an opinion of him, right? And that's the only way to you know reach everyone because if you're just you know a nice guy and you're just liked by a bunch of people, you know you're only taking a certain piece of the fan base or if you're hated you're only taking a certain piece of the fan base you know if you ask any UFC fan what you think about Conor you're going to get a reaction one way or the other um, so the only star that's even is close to close to Conor and you know I'd argue that she's actually probably bigger globally at this point is Ronda given that you know Conor is he's almost outgrown the European shows that we're able to see at this stage so he's over in in uh, vegas on these big pay-per-view shows how important is it now for it's it's kind of a two-part question this how important is it for for the ufc team here in europe to try and build off the back of that success and build new stars and also how close are we getting to be able to host pay-per-view scale events or fox tv scale events on this side of the pond yeah and, you know, and what I press upon all these guys in every market, you know, is that you can't be reliant on one star because at some point that star is going to retire, you know, he's going to lose, whatever it is. You know, it, it's all about building a sustainable business and, and, and how are you building our next wave of athletes beyond that, right? And I think that's what you're going to see in October in Dublin is look who's headlining that card, right? The next Irish star, Joe Duffy, you know, if he continues to win. Um, so, and I think that's where, you know, I feel like Europe, the, the opportunity is that if you're looking from a youth participation level and awareness, that's where it's growing at the grassroots now across all of these countries. And, and Sweden has more fighters now. You know, hopefully the UK has, you know, a star of their own coming up during the ranks. So that's where, you know, people can't, we can't, as successful and as big as Connor is, we can't, the entire business for the next five, ten years can't hitch its wagons to one guy. So, you know, I keep pressing upon, you know, the, the the marketing team here is like, who's next? Who else are we building? What's our what's our plan? You know, sure. and I think Joanna. I think Joanna is someone that could be a major, major star because I think she could be as dominant as Ronda is in her division. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. on the oh, the second piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the biggest challenge that we have in with a European pay per view is not obviously, you know, selling a even a stadium or arena or stadium, Crow Park, whatever. That we're, we're completely comfortable with that. You know, the challenge is U.S. pay-per-view, right, which is still, you know, our bread and butter revenue driver. And, you know, if we did an event in Europe in prime time, it would be on in the afternoon, um, 
in the U.S., you know, and, and I think we all kind of realized that that would probably cause major headwinds uh, from a pay-per-view buy perspective. Now, we've had workarounds. You know, if, if you remember, we did the Big Fox event in um, in uh, Stockholm in January. Yeah. So that fight, went, that fight went off at like 3 or 4 in the morning, so that was in prime time in the U.S., and we were still able to sell 30,000 tickets. So that was a, that was a perfect... Uh, medium. I think, let's not beat around the bush, you know, everyone's talking about Croke Park and Dublin with Connor headlining pay-per-view. You know, at some point, you know, we just have to decide as a business and, you know, Connor's profile, you know, and, and what he wants to do, you know, is it worth it from a brand perspective to do it? Because he wants to do it. We know we're going to sell 80,000 tickets. And yeah, maybe we take a little bit of a haircut on pay-per-view in the interim, but that makes him that much bigger and his next pay-per-view is bigger, you know? So these are all things that we, we wrestle with. I think one of the things that we are looking at, you know, it's not obviously pay-per-view, but you know, we're going to do, there's a good chance that we might do a few Sunday night events next year in Europe that would be, you know, on Fox Sports 1 that would be broadcast in the U.S. on Sunday afternoon, which is typically better for us than Sunday, than Saturday afternoon. So um, these are all workarounds. You know, people over here shouldn't think that, you know, it's not the, the, the demand is not the issue. We know we can do pay-per-views in Europe and would love to do pay-per-views in Europe. You know, we just have to assess, you know, that balance between the financial impact of it you know, domestically versus, you know, growing the sport and growing the brand in, in Europe. But I'm telling you, it's it's inevitable that once happens. There's just too much talent, too many stars to not do something over here.